Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. If hope is the anchor in my soul, then bring on the rough waters. I like that line in the, in the spoken word we just heard. I, I, I want to preach a message to you entitled, Anchored. And I really feel uh, that this message is not a sermon. Uh, it's not a nice talk. I feel like this is a, uh, a prophetic word for a specific moment. There are times where God uses words to shift an atmosphere and to shift an understanding in a group of people so they can go to the next level. James chapter 1, verse number 1. Uh, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that have been scattered among the nations, to the people that uh, didn't want to be scattered, but through turmoil and through trials and through persecution, you were scattered. I send you greetings. To the warriors, I send you greetings. To those that have been through trials and those that have faced hardships and those that maybe your family uh, is, is gone now. This is who James is writing to. To the warriors out there with some battle scars and some, some battle wounds. Not to just those religious people, but those who are after deep relationship with Jesus and the religious people didn't like it. Greetings. Verse number two. Consider it pure Joy. Somebody say pure joy. Now on the count of three, can you show me what pure joy looks like? One, two, three. Consider it pure joy. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I, but I, I dare you to change your thinking. I dare you to get a new mindset on something I'm about to talk about. I dare you to shift your perspective uh, just for a moment so that maybe your whole world could change. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. I know this is radical. I know this is revolutionary. I know not many people are going to say this, but I'm speaking to the ones that have been scattered for their faith. I'm speaking to the ones that have driven and come out of everywhere out of L.A. Maybe some of you came from two or three hours away to be here tonight. I'm speaking to the ones that moved from Texas to come to L.A. uh, to, to change the world. I'm speaking to the ones that came from Ohio and Cincinnati and New York and all over the world to come and be a part of something crazy that God was doing in LA. I'm talking to the ones that I've gathered here today. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that it may be mature and complete. When I, when, I, when I read that, finish its work, I picture, remember, remember the old school, uh, you know, ah, you can, you know what I'm saying, like a, a Mortal Kombat. You remember that? And, and all the guys in the room and a few of the ladies, they're a little crazy like us guys. I remember when he say, finish him. Finish him. And, and it would do this crazy move. This is what I picture the body of Christ looking at the devil and God says, finish him. Finish him. Let, let, let that perseverance that has developed finish what it started. There, there is something that has been developing in you that is bigger than you. There is something that you now possess because you didn't give up in the middle. There is something now that you have 
that, that it's only proven when, when test shows up again because you might have wanted to quit last time. Uh, in a race, they call it a second wind. You're about to die. You feel like you want to give up. You feel like you want to quit. Would somebody send, please send the helicopters or the medics? I am going to have a heart attack in the middle of this race. And then somewhere out of nowhere, you're given this new capacity to breathe on levels you could not breathe just a few minutes ago. God is developing something in you called iron, something in you called weight. He's giving the body of Christ a backbone like a crowbar so we can look at the devil and say, devil, you're not going to win in my city, not in, not in this city. This is God's city. It will develop perseverance that must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you last, lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all Without fault finding, it will be given to him. But he who asks must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wave. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Now, I don't know about you, but that last part was kind of like one of those slaps with a white glove. It was like... We're on that first tip. You know, I like that part. A backbone like a crowbar. Finish him. But then he gets to this other part. (laughs) If you doubt in the middle of this thing, you are unstable in all your ways. You're like a little wave blown here and there. And you have the ability to change nothing. I mean, it's almost like he just kind of slaps you with a white glove. And if we were to be honest, like, it's not always easy to have this kind of faith. Especially when things get crazy. I mean, it's not always easy not to look back and say, but what if God doesn't? What if I need Jesus and, and, and some other things? What if I didn't fast enough? What if I didn't pray enough? What if, what if what I looked at or what I thought about affects my future? What, 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 if, what if I'm not strong enough? What if I'm, I have not enough courage? Uh, and all of a sudden, the enemy wins because he doesn't give you a new vision. He just gives you two visions. Division. Starts with singleness of vision. The first church grew and exploded because they had singleness of vision. But as soon as the church started getting persecuted, they started getting new visions. Well, what if this happens? And it did happen. And, and, and this went, our, our family, they, they were kicked out of their house. And right now, in other countries, uh, people are dying for their faith. Right now, people are being led out in orange jumpsuits and say, either stop worshiping Jesus and live or worship him and die. This is happening right now. And one day this will come to America. One day this will come to our great nation. In fact, it's already here on many fronts and many places and in many pulpits. They never preach about these things because it is a scary thing to even talk about. But I wonder what God is developing in us now to give us singleness of vision. See, here's what, here's what, here's what, here's what pressing through does. It gives you this thing that you say like this. I've kind of come too far to turn back now. You ever just been driving the wrong way for too long? And you just thought, 
U-turn, U-turn. Eventually, it's going to reroute me because I've kind of gone too far to make that U-turn now. There, there is a, another nav system that's been in your car that's calling you back to the place you already got out of. And it keeps saying, turn around and come back. Turn around and give up. It's too dangerous where you're going. It's dark where you're going. It's too hard where you're going. You don't have enough money for where you're going. You're not good enough for where you're going. And there is something inside of you that goes, I could go back, but it's just a waste of time. I've come too far now God wants to develop that in us and it can only be found in you when it's tested I don't want to walk through any test then you got to stay right where you're at because this Christian life is full of storms just because we became Christians or gave our life to Jesus did not mean that we live in heaven we live in a jacked up place called earth and one of the most jacked up places we live in called LA and God wants us behind enemy lines to live like we already live there even though we live here because we are a part of a body Jesus is the head and we are the arms and the feet and so just because we're here and he's there doesn't mean we're also not there at the same time of being here. If I were to see uh, Nick out in the ocean, and I just saw his head floating in the top of the water, and I were to look at Nick, i go, hey, do you see, how, how did Nick's head get out in the water? And you would look at me and think, are you smoking something, Pastor? Or did you drink too much kombucha? Or what, what's going on? Right? Because it's not just his head floating in the water. That's strange. It's a weird way to put it. But that's how we believe Jesus is. It's just his head in heaven. And his body is not him. And his head is not the body. But if Nick's head is above the water, and he's in the water, then his body is also in the water. Right? And so is Nick's head in the water as well. So where I am, Jesus is. And where Jesus is, I am. So this place is not my home. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms right now. Even though I am on this earth, I have another home and so do you. This life is but a vapor. It is a testing ground for where we're going to spend eternity. We are already dead. We're dead men walking, dead women walking. I feel like the upper room, what happened when the fire showed up is there was a great sacrifice of flesh. And those people that were there They gave their lives. They became living sacrifices, meaning for the rest of their life, their life would be Jesus's and Jesus's alone. And if that is our call, we are, we have already won. We have already defeated the enemy. We are not fighting him or battling him, but we will walk through storms. And when we walk through storms, it's not that Jesus will find out what's in us. It's that we will find out what's in us. Jesus already knows. But what he wants to do is he wants to show you that there is more in you than you thought there was. There's a, there's a bigger dog in the fight than you thought was inside of you. Because one more time, you're going to get up. And many people miss their greatest opportunity to, to not just worship Jesus, but worship the fact that Jesus still has you here. 
Some of you are still beating yourself up. The moment you walked in this room, it's been hard for you to even get to church because you feel like you're going to be judged and all these things. And I just want to tell you, the devil is a liar. And I want to tell you that you ought to throw yourself a praise party for showing up to church tonight and say, you know what, I might have been on drugs last night or here last week or doing this last month, but I am still here, baby. And I still want Jesus. And I don't care what I've done. He's done more for me than I could. Okay. 2 Kings uh, 6.14 says this, uh, 6.14, we have that verse this time, it's awesome, 2 Kings 6.14, then he sent the horses and the chariots and the strong forces there. They went out by night and they surrounded the city. Then he sent the horses and the chariots and the strong forces, not the weak forces, but the strong forces there. They went out by night and they surrounded the city. Now, the people that are being surrounded are the people of God. The prophet and his assistant are stuck in this uh, castle-like environment and they are surrounded. And it has been sent, not the weak forces or the average forces. See, there are incredible forces coming against our life to stop us and detour us and bring fear instead of faith in us in this journey God has us on. The devil is afraid of the Jesus in you. He's afraid of you being fearless and fear the fear of God reigning in your life. Because when you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. And he is surrounding all of us. And he's going to come in the middle of the night. He's going to come with his armed forces. And he's surrounded. Have you ever been surrounded? Have you ever... Uh, looked around and all of a sudden out of nowhere thought things were going pretty good you have this whole castle to yourself and out of nowhere you woke up in the morning and everything changed you ever had one of those everything changed moments not for the better but for the worst in a split second everything happens in a day none of us are promised tomorrow we will leave this place with no promise that we will live another day on this earth we do have one promise though that we will spend all of eternity with our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, not everyone will get cancer. Not everyone will get some disease. Not every, there are percentages all over the board, but one out of one face death. Every single person in this room will be born, or you are already born, and we also face death. Probably the one of the scariest things I could imagine. Just this week, one of the young men that's been coming to our church, he, he was uh, diagnosed with brain cancer, and we had been praying for him. And just this week, he went home to meet Jesus. Uh, this Tonight, uh, right now, as we speak, uh, little Harper, Pastor Sean's daughter, is in the hospital right now. They, they've been drawing fluid out of her lungs. Uh, they don't know what's wrong with her. They thought she had pneumonia, and they discovered that the fluid was not didn't have pneumonia in it and we are now right now even today praying for this family who sits in the middle of a storm in this crazy world that at the that at a, the drop of a hat things shift and when things shift we will have to find out what is inside of us in our backyard we have these uh grapefruits and and lemon trees and different things and i can't tell which one's which they they, they i don't know if the person who came there last time mixed the trees up but you can go to the tree and you could get a lemon uh, off the tree or you could get an orange or you can get a grapefruit it's kind of cool uh, but you never know which one you're going to get they all kind of look the same somewhat until you taste it 
And so we found that as soon as we cut open that thing, we can tell what's inside of it. Or as soon as you squeeze it, whatever it is comes out. And Jesus allows life to squeeze us so that even we can find out what is really inside of us. And I would be, I would be amazed if, if some of you didn't realize that there is actually stuff inside of you that is greater than what you thought. There is more in you to believe and step out in faith than you even believed for yourself. Because many of us would go, oh man, that's that, if, if you squeezed me, this would come out. But what if it didn't? What if courage came out when God squeezed you? What if passion came out? What if a tenacity came out that you didn't even know was there? What if the quiet, shy person in this room that thought their whole life they're going to still struggle with that, and all of a sudden God squeezes you and allows pressure, and something greater comes out? What could shift in your life if you realized that you actually were carrying around iron inside your soul? They said the chariots surrounded them. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning to have his coffee or whatever he was going to do, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. <laughs> oh, Lord, <laughs> what shall we do? The servant asked, and Elijah said, do not be afraid. Notice that afraid is a state of being. Do not remain in afraid. You might get afraid for a moment, but do not stay there. Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The assistant must have looked around and said, hey man, it's just me and you. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if you saw on the hill out there, there's a whole bunch of buff dudes on this side. There's a few chariots. They brought their strong forces. It happened in the middle of the night. I know you haven't drinking your coffee yet, but we are surrounded. Every side is surrounded. There is no hope uh, of victory. There is no, we, we, we might as well crawl in a hole and die. And the man of God says, no, don't stay there. Because I'm a prophet and our words form our worlds. There are more that are with us than are with them. Maybe in a situation where you're surrounded, you might want to join with Elijah and start prophesying what you want to see in your environment. Because notice, at this moment, they were surrounded. But we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to stay here because God has given us a gift to speak out his word and his word forms our worlds. Here's the report of reality. See, this word won't always line up with reality, but it will always line up with truth. And maybe your reality is actually not your truth, but you've allowed it to become your truth because you put more weight on your eyes than what he says. And it wasn't eyes that formed the planet we're sitting on. It was his words that formed the planet we're sitting on. And it definitely wasn't my eyes that formed this planet. So I'm not going to, you know, God, just blindfold me sometimes. Close my eyes sometimes and begin to speak into me words. Bring up words from the depth of my spirit that I've read. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. There are more with us than there are with them. You see, really, to, to walk out this life, you're going to have to start being a crazy talker. You're going to have to start saying things as they are in heaven, not as they are on earth. 
And you have to start saying, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I will be healed. In the name of Jesus, I overcome fear because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I am more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. What's a conqueror? A conqueror is a a battle-ready warrior who rides out to battle and faces an army. And the army he faces, he takes on, and he defeats them. That's what a conqueror is. A conqueror is a warrior, uh, amazing at what he does, gifted at what he does. But more than a conqueror is the dude that doesn't have a horse, doesn't have a shield, doesn't even have a weapon nor an army, still rides out to the battle, and God gives him the victory anyways. You are more than a conqueror. He said, greater are those who are with us than they that are with them. Really, what you should be worried about is them. Really, the one who's telling you he's got you surrounded, we might want to let him know, no, (laughs) you're surrounded. Come out with your hands up. You've already lost the battle and you have no weapons in the first place. Because he says this, Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills where his help came from, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Can you imagine this moment? He closes his eyes. All right, this guy's crazy. And he opens them. And what he thought was going to kill him is the thing that's been surrounded in the first place. Uh, he, said, he said, like, here, give me a chair. Let me just sit down on this job. Just, just, uh, I'm surrounded. Okay, cool. You see, the, the, the person that, that is walking in faith, that is anchored, uh, and, and you know what, I'll take a coffee in the meantime, uh, because I, I'm not surrounded. In fact, devil, I just need to let you know, it's only a matter of time, and you got chariots, but he has chariots of fire, and I'll just go ahead and sit down for a little bit, and drink my coffee, and get a coffee mustache if I have to. Because I came to let you know, I'm not the one surrounded. I'm not the one going down. In fact, this life is not my home. I'm going to live for all eternity. And sickness won't be the end. My God defeated death, hell, and the grave. All you got to do is open your eyes. God, give me new eyes. That's what we should pray every time we get stuck. God, give me new eyes. God, give me eyes to see what you see in this situation. Show me the fire on the hillside. Show me the angels that are standing guard around this place. When I was a youth pastor, we had many close encounters. In fact, this one uh, young man, we, we would have gangs show up to our youth group a lot, uh, all the time, in fact, in Modesto. And uh, they would show up to beat up kids in our church. People would hide out in our church from a gang that was trying to, we'd have gang fights in the middle of our services at times. And I remember this one kid was coming back to, to take on some kid that was sitting next to his girlfriend. And I got word of it, and I felt this thing rise up in my spirit that said, uh-uh. And I heard he was coming back with weapons or whatever, and I walked outside. I didn't even think twice, and this is probably stupid on my behalf on that one moment, but I walked outside, and I waited for him to come back, and when he showed up, I said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to turn around and leave this place. What you're trying to do tonight is not going to happen. And my staff thought I was nuts. They, they, they tried to protect me. And, and, and there was something inside me that rose up and said, no. 
Now, on a typical day, if we went outside and that was happening, I'd probably be the, the scaredy cat in the corner just going, oh, dear Jesus, help me. But there is something that shifts when you get in certain environments. There is something inside of you that is greater than what's, do you understand? Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. What happens when that thing starts taunting you and coming against you and pressing you? All of a sudden, something rises up and goes, no! I know there's some praying mamas in this room, some praying women in this room, that, that when, when all hell comes against your household and your family, I know my wife, when sickness comes in our house, she goes, uh-uh. This ain't happening. You're going you're gonna to put some oils on your head, and you're going you're gonna to get some vitamin C and some all this crazy stuff she does, and then, then we're going to go to war. We're going to war on the behalf of Jesus in this house because sickness, you can't come in this door. You can't have this place. We don't have time to be sick. And we'll, we'll close our eyes, and we'll worship, and we'll say, you know what? I'm not sick. In the name of Jesus, in heavenly realms, I'm not sick, and I'm going to walk out that. It says, greater is he who is with us than he who is with them. I came to tell you this one thing tonight. Even though you thought you were alone, you're not. You didn't get here alone. You didn't come here alone. And we can feel alone on a daily basis because sometimes problems arise and situations arise that are so difficult, it's really kind of hard to explain even to your closest friends or family members. Family situations or money situations can get so complicated that really we shut down and we stop talking about it and we, and we can't even explain it. So why try? So what the enemy does is he isolates us and he makes us feel alone in a crowd. Have you ever felt alone in a crowd? You see, what I can attest to is the greatest battle in this room is not that we're going to walk outside and fight Philistines, although that would be fun. If we had a few slingshots and some stones, we could go after Goliath. But that's not going to happen. Tonight, the greatest battle is not going to be fighting some warrior, but it's going to be fighting the things inside of your head. See, although you're not going to face a Philistine in physical form, you are going to face armies that are marching against the recesses of your mind and even right now under the sound of my voice there are many people in this room that are sitting next to warriors and you have no clue about it someone that has been warring for nights and days on end and almost feels like giving up and if someone just said to them keep on going they would get back up and pick their shield up and keep moving forward so why don't we just take a second to do that for each other look at your neighbor and say neighbor keep on going I didn't come here alone. Devil, yeah, if I came here alone. Yeah, if I was the only one in this fight. Yeah, uh, you had me if you're basing this off of me. But if you're basing this off of Jesus, <laughs> you're done. He's already defeated you on the cross. And so what are we even talking about? I didn't come here alone. I don't preach alone. I don't drive alone. I don't shower alone. I don't live in my house alone. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. Jesus is always with me. What can separate me from his love? Can height or depth or width? What can separate me from his grace? Nothing. Nothing in this world. Nothing in this world to come. Nothing in this world after. I am always wrapped up and hidden in his love. Can I even pull myself out? No. Even if I made my bed in hell, he would find me there. If 
I made my bed in the heavens, he would find me there. His love is dangerous and violent, and it surrounds me like a shield. It's a fire inside my bones. I don't know if you know him, but he's the great I am. He's the king of glory. He always is, always was, and always will be. When he went to Abraham and looked for something to swear by, usually you swear by something greater than you. I put my life on this. I put this on this. And he looked in all of creation, and he couldn't find anything better than himself. So he just said, I swear by myself that I will uphold this promise. And I came to tell you that God who promises and swears only on himself, he is bad all by himself. He's not a kitty cat. He's a lion. And he's powerful, and he's with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, never abandon you. Even if it feels like it. Even if you can't see it. You see, invisible does not speak to the power or the relevancy or the audacity of the object. Invisible speaks to my eyes. Just because I can't see him in a situation doesn't mean he's not there. Because my word says he's always there. So maybe it's not him that's lying. Maybe it's my eyes that are lying. Maybe like the assistant, I need to just close my eyes and stand on the word that I can't see. And when I open them again, the word will have shifted my world and changed what I see. What if we could stand on his world platform rather than ours? What if we could be crazy people that dreamed in the day when nightmares came, we closed our eyes, said, Jesus, I'm tired of fear ruling my life. I'm tired of its loud, annoying, poodle-like bark. Fear is loud, and it's loud for one reason, because it doesn't have any bite. It makes a lot of noise. You should be afraid. You're going to die. You're gonna... So what if I die? I'll be in glory. You'll miss me, but I'm going to be caught up in his presence. We cry when we show up to this world. First thing you do when you come into this world is you scream and cry and they slap you on the booty just to find out if you're alive. If we cry coming in because we're going from greater to worse, I wonder what happens when we leave. We cry when they leave and celebrate when they come. But I bet heaven does the opposite. Cries when they leave and celebrates when they come. Because we have fought the final race. If they're gone, it doesn't mean they're gone. It means they're having more fun than us. And what if we lived this life like eternity mattered? The Bible says this. It says that hope is an anchor to my soul. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 says this. Because God wanted to make the unchangeable nature of his purpose very clear to the hearers of what it was promised. He confirmed the oath. God did this. So that by two unchangeable things. In which it is impossible for God to lie. It doesn't say that it's hard for God to lie. It says it's impossible. Like it can't happen. We who have fled to take hold of that hope. Offered to us 
may be greatly encouraged. I want you to be encouraged today in verse 19 because we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I have on this stage a rope. And uh, this is a weak rope compared to what you would see uh, as a chain on an anchor, but it's just for the sake of you understanding the picture of what would happen with an anchor. When a boat lets down an anchor, it removes removes its visual and takes the power and it puts it into a place where it cannot see. And the anchor does not lose power because it becomes invisible. It's actually the place that it was designed for. Jesus didn't become any less powerful because he now is in heaven than when he was on this earth. If we could have Jesus sitting next to us through our greatest trial, many of us would say, I would be okay. But we see the disciples in the middle of a storm. The boat's going crazy. The water and the waves are coming. Jesus is asleep on the bow of the ship. He's right there. But it seems like he doesn't care. He's there, but I don't know if he cares. So they shake him. They say, what's going on? Wake up. We're going to die. Jesus wakes up as the storm's raging. The Bible says he wipes the sleep from his eye, walks to the bow of the ship, half asleep. It says, peace be still. Turns to the disciples. It says, you have little faith. Why did you, do you still doubt? Meaning, did you think we were going down in this water? Did you think this storm was to take you out? Meaning, you could have done what I just did. But for some reason, you thought you even had to wake me up. Maybe I was asleep on purpose so that you would step into your destiny. And see, just because we can't see Jesus doesn't mean that the anchor isn't set. You see, what a great ship will do, a warship will leave the harbor in times of great hurricanes. We'll, we'll, we, before the hurricane arrives, they have it on radar and so on. Uh, ships will actually, you'll find them leaving the harbor, like warships and stuff. They will leave the harbor and they will, they will drive straight into the eye of the storm. And in the eye of the storm, they will let down their anchors. And they will drag them along the ground until the anchor catches on something deeper and more powerful than the wind and the waves. See, Jesus, uh, when, you, when you can't, just because you can't see something, doesn't mean it doesn't have power to hold you fast when the waves are going crazy. See, the reality is, it doesn't matter what happens up here. As long as I am attached here, and that is attached to something more powerful, no matter what comes, no matter what winds happen, no matter what storms rage, as long as my anchor is set, and I hold on to the rope of faith and say, I'm going to hold on to hope and faith because of love. He loves me. And so because he loves me, I can have faith that his love is strong enough that anything I go through, he is with me and he's with me and he's with me and he's with me. So here's the deal. 
we got to stop looking at the waves and start looking at what's holding us even in the midst of the waves you see an anchor an anchor is not made to stop the waves this is what we do all the time <laughs> stop the waves waves stop Jesus stop the waves I'm gonna die stop the waves stop the pain stop the hurt I didn't sign up for all this stop the waves anchor stop the wave can you imagine a sailor holding out the anchor on the bow of the boat wave stop now got an anchor that's not what an anchor is for anchor isn't to stop the waves it's to give you the ability to ride through the waves without being destroyed you see God is not going to stop the pain but he's going to give you the ability to detach the memory from the pain and to face things you never thought you could face because there is something greater holding you steadfast in you that is greater than you because there is more with you than what's come against you and your anchor of hope is placed in him see a lot of people a lot of people have anchors everybody has hope people in the world write songs about hope there's movies about hope we can put hope in our favorite actor our favorite musician or we can put hope in our mom or dad or someone who won't let us down we can put hope in just the doctors or the lawyers or, or we can put hope in that new job but what Jesus says is hope in those things alone is like taking an anchor and attaching it to something weak when the storm comes even though you have hope the hope has to be attached to something as great as the hope that's why Jesus said if you would take this hope and you attach it behind the veil to the throne of God and you could say nothing can move me because I have a sure foundation in my home I have look not death not sickness not pain not worry not fear look a whole bunch of people in this room we need to turn to fear and say you're loud and you're annoying and I'm done listening to your bark I have something greater called faith and my faith is not going to be put in you it's going to be put in Jesus starting right here right now you see terrorists are going to keep breaking out sickness is going to keep developing flus are going to keep being airborne we can't pray them away but what we can do is get with the Jesus that doesn't want to save you out of the fire he wants to save you in the fire and the Jesus I know, he wants to climb in your boat tonight and make the craziest of storms seem like nothing because he has the power to hold you in the storm. And that Jesus is here right now. Maybe you're in this room and you're facing a storm. You're facing life's trials, the wind and the waves. It seems like they're blowing you everywhere. And I want to dare you tonight to leave the safety of the harbor and to go out to deep waters and to trust your Savior and say, you know what, God? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm letting down my anchor of hope and I'm going to attach it to you. Jesus, take this anchor and put it behind the veil. I trust you when I can't see you. It's an anchor of hope for our soul. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. God, in the battle of my mind, 
Help my emotions to stabilize. God, in that place, I give you my will. Even when I can't see it, I will praise you. Even when I can't feel it, I will lift your name high. You know what the greatest thing to do in a, in a crazy storm is to worship. The first disciples didn't catch it, but Paul and Silas did. And when they worshiped, freedom came. Because what you're doing is you're saying, this earth will line up with what's going on in heaven. And you lift up the praises that the angels are singing in the midst of pain, in the midst of circumstances. And God says, as heaven is on earth, your kingdom come to earth. Your will be done. God, I want your will in my life. Take over my emotions. I don't feel like it, but so be it. I'm going to worship you in spite of it. I'm going to praise you in the midst of it. You know what it looks like? If a whole bunch of people begin to praise in the middle of the ride, just go to Disneyland. Look at the little pictures that they take of people. Freaked out, scared, and then afterwards they're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have looked so crazy. <laughs> I wish I would have just had fun. Because I'm here. I made it. What if we took this life like we do those rides and we trusted the creator and designer of this life? He is the author and finisher. And God, you know what? It's going now. I can't get off. And if I try to get off, I wouldn't make it. So here I am on this ride called life. It's wild and it's crazy. And you know what I'm going to do on the dips? You know what I'm going to do on the tires? And I want heaven to take my picture. And I want heaven and earth to know that my king will hold me tight through every upside down, through every drop. And I also want the devil to know. I'm going to sit down when fear tells me to run. Two last things I want to do. First thing is the greatest storms in life aren't aren't the ones that are big and swells and, and loud and thunderous. The greatest storms in life that will destroy your life are the ones that, are, that, that you can't even see coming. It's, it's, it's like if you were a surfer and you go out to surf, if you don't look up at the, at the shore often, you lose your place and soon the water pushes you far away from where you started. The greatest uh, problem in the church today is not storms. It's when we don't realize that the wind of life and time is moving us away from God. You see, the anchor is not just to hold you in storms. It's to hold you all the time. And if you're in this room tonight and you don't have your anchor set in Jesus, your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, tonight is an incredible night to reset that anchor in something unmovable and unshakable. Now, we could argue all day long, but the reality is, all we got to do is look up to the hills of Hollywood and look at some of the people that had everything, had the money, had the house, had everything they wanted, and they felt empty. Their hope that they put in getting the next movie, in getting the next car, in getting the next house, and having the right family, and having the right wife or husband didn't hold when the storms of life came. And you're in this place today, and your anchor is not in Jesus and Jesus alone. Maybe it used to be, and you've pulled it out. You've walked away. You've put your hope in other things because it didn't work out like you thought you did. Well, today, 
I want to open up a second chance to hook our hope in the love of Jesus that came and died on that cross. If you're in this room and you want to receive that love in your life, maybe you knew Jesus a long time ago, or maybe you've never met Jesus. If you haven't met God like this, that's the God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a religious experience or a few rules. I'm talking about you want to you encounter God today and you never have, or you did a long time ago and you walked away and you would like that today, I want you to lift your hand. That's you all over this room. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.